0: to the other day the podcast i'm one of your hosts like always claire j and i'm ayana Monet, and we are back with another episode of the other day listen to that rhyme scheme bars (laughs) saved up yes but we wanted to start off this episode just kind of with a recap of our last um podcast our last episode and that was titled was it falling falling out falling out and coming back yeah yes and we weren't talking about edges honey we were talking about (laughs) our relationship as friends and we got a very good response we um, had some people that sent in emails Uh, we had a voicemail that was left and um, just some people that reached out to us personally and it meant the world to us that Absolutely. Anybody wanted to hear what Ayana and I had to say? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're really glad people wanted to hear what we had to say. It was just really
1: nice to see the amazing response, to see the engagement. Like, it definitely kind of reinvigorated the reasons why we wanted to do this in the first place.
0: Yes, and we thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you continue to listen and continue to share. And thank you also for those that reposted it on your social media accounts. Like, it means the world. And we hope to have episodes out every Monday at 10 a.m. Right. Oh, also, actually, the streets were talking too from the last episode. And the streets, I mean, my high school friends. I did make a comment and said, I don't talk to none of them. And the lie detector detected that was a lie. I do. I do talk to a few of my high school friends, and I'm very thankful for our relationship. I, I guess I still have them after that episode. I don't really know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am very thankful for the friends that I have kept from high school through grade school. I appreciate our friendship. Love you all. <laughs> right. So on this episode, Ayana is going to do the driving here. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Miss Ayana Monet today i will be driving the episode
1: so i would like to start off today's episode with acknowledging we will be discussing some heavy topics such as domestic violence and sexual assault Um, if you are someone who is triggered by those topics or those topics cause you um you know some discomfort this is not the episode for you to listen to and we will return to a, a a happier episode another day but we felt the need um, to kind of expand on some parts of our story that we shared in the previous episode and also just to acknowledge that the month of October is domestic violence awareness month and with everything going on in the world we're seeing it in the media um, those of you all who keep up um, with the hip hop world um, Tory Lanez and Megan The Stallion's like thing has been a hot topic in the media Um, the way people are treating this young woman is I mean I can't even I can't even imagine um, something like that happening to me and having millions of people yeah have an opinion say you know have an opinion about something that's probably one of the worst things that's ever happened um, to her in her young life so like shout out to her for having the strength that she has um, and being able to endure and still manage to get up every day and put out the amazing content that she does because wow um so yes we definitely want to start today's episode with just acknowledging we will be talking about some heavy topics so if this isn't for you that's okay um, you can catch us on the next episode, and we'll be more than happy to have you. Um, we're going to first start off with just a couple statistics, just in general, um, with domestic violence. On average, nearly 20 people per minute are experiencing physical abuse mm-hmm. um, by an intimate partner within the United States. During one year, this adds up to 10 million women and men, um, and I, I think it's very important to note that this says women and men. I think a lot of times when you talk about domestic violence and assault, men are excluded from the conversation um, as, as victims or survivors of these, these violences, but the, these violences affect both men and women. Um, but we are obviously going to be talking through the lens as Black women. Um, and if, if you haven't heard black women are the most disrespected women um in america so i i mean and i we say that from our own experience and from american history just the amount of of research is actually available on on these statistics um for sexual assault versus domestic violence is astounding um and that's without even factoring in um trans folks and the abuse that they that they endure so today 's topic will be heavy y'all and I'd like to continue um, with just a couple more statistics um, and that and just in that ten million men men and women that adds up to one in seven women who experience um, or are injured by an intimate partner and one in twenty five men and as far as statistics on assault there are on a, there are surprisingly Fewer statistics. However, um, I did find a few, and the numbers as far as assault are one in five women and one in 71 men in the United States have experienced assault in their lifetime. And another statistic that I think is important to note, um, just based on my own story and stories that I've heard from that I've heard from others who have been willing to share with me. I think this this second part of the assault statistic is what actually bothers me more and I think really breaks down the barriers of how the media portrays rapists um, as being these strangers. Um, when in st- which statistically almost half of females, and that's 46.7%, and males, 44.9%, are assaulted in the United States by acquaintances. 45% of female assault victims and 29% of male assault victims are assaulted by intimate partners.
0: That's great. And I feel like that statistic right there is probably the most not the most important, but people do not acknowledge or are willing to acknowledge that you can endure these um, violences and assaults from somebody that you are in an intimate relationship with. Like, well, that's Mm -hmm. your partner. What do you mean that they assaulted you? Like, what that can't happen. That doesn't make sense. Even in marriages, when they say that their husband or their wife have done something like this and people just kind of brush it aside because they're like well that doesn't make sense to me so I don't Mm -hmm. I'm moving on to the next thing
1: yeah and I don't think and I think that really just it break it breaks people down you know who have survived these things because it's like I have these people questioning the validity of my pain you know and that I mean who wants to go through that who wants to defend this thing who wants to keep bringing up this horrible thing that happened to them just to defend it to people who aren't going to care, even if they knew the truth. Yeah. It's really quite
0: sad. It is. And with these, uh, statistics, we will post the, um, -hmm. the websites that we got this information from in the show notes below. So if you want to further, um, your Mm -hmm. research and your knowledge on those um different statistics that will be in the show notes below for your viewing pleasure
1: the national coalition against domestic violence has a lot of wonderful resources that is where i got the bulk of my information um, for this episode Um, and they do some really amazing work across the nation so definitely um, check them out after this episode. Um, So now we're going to kind of, now that we've given you all the statistics, we want to do that up front so that um, we could have a real conversation about what our experiences have been with um, intimate partner violence and assault. Um, Because we're real people who are trying to have real conversations. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, And we just didn't want
0: to stunt the conversation with the statistics. So um, let's get into it. Um, so with mine, mine was more of a domestic violence situation. So I was in a uh, relationship with this boy, cause he was not a man, uh, relationship with this boy for almost two years. Um, and I want to say the, the violence, it didn't start to happen. I, I it was fairly early actually, um. But it was kind of a gradual, so it was more of like he was verbally abusive at first and then it transitioned into being kind of like I'm gonna scare you, but I'm not really gonna get into it yet. Like I'm gonna like snatch you up real quick and just let you know like I have the power to do this, but I'm just not gonna do it right now. And um, just kind of put that fear uh, in me. And then it just kind of, over time, just really, it was a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, as your friend during that time, it was a while before you even said anything to me about it. And then when you did, you just kind of brought it up casually. and I was, And I was just like, hold on. And I don't know what, I don't remember remember what conversation we had Mm -hmm. but like I didn't and I and I'm I'm pretty sure because when you first told me I was in Georgia at my internship and that was the first time I had heard that he
0: had put his hands on you I had to make sure you were the furthest away (laughs)
1: like you really you really did
0: yeah
1: and I was a good 10 hours away and there was no way yeah yeah Because if I had been, yeah. if I had been that hour, that hour and a half, Mm
0: -hmm. nothing was going to stop me. Well, for me, I have a very hard time expressing, like, very, uh, other than happy thoughts, I have a very hard time expressing that. So if it's, like, something very serious, something very sad, you wouldn't tell the difference because I smile through everything that I'm talking about because I don't want to... Um, experience the emotion that comes with something else that's other than happy. So when I'm telling somebody something sad, I'm sitting here smiling. I'm laughing about it, although nothing's funny, but I just I just don't want to do that. So I think that's how I kind of um, told Yana about it. But when it first started happening, I was kind of embarrassed, right? That it was like, I never would have thought that I would be in a situation like this. And I was in a city that i didn't know anybody i was already um i felt very distanced from you know ayana and i weren't together and um i had just graduated college like i was just in this whole new realm of my life and i just felt very lost and by myself so then the fact that like something else that was happening to me so i felt so isolating because nobody really talks about this very much i was like in another land of isolation to where i was just in embarrassed of all of my situations that I was in, I was working at a call center, like, (laughs) and, um, and I also felt like it was, it was my, my fault. And so I, I kind of felt like I deserved what was happening. And in a sense, that's kind of how it, he made me feel and what kind of, um, made what he was doing acceptable because he made it feel like it was my fault and what I mean by Mm -hmm. that is that we started dating in August and I had just previously got out of a long distance relationship if if you can even call it that but a long distance relationship with somebody for a very long time and I was just kind of over it. And so I was ready to just move on and I met him and our first date, we were, it was just kind of a breath of fresh air. I met, I met a man that had a cat and I love cats. And I was like, what in the world? <laughs> like, I've never met some a man that's like, yes, a cat. Like, and, and, um, and we had very good conversation the the first date, and he kind of made me feel like I was the only person in that restaurant. Like he was so he zomb- was all about Clay. Yes, but but that quickly turned it turned into to the, he was all about Clay. all about me, and uh, and yeah. So I found out why I felt like that because he was just like, "This is the, the, my person that I'm going." Zero in on, and mm-hmm. it just—he was on the hunt, yeah. And he was like, and it was the perfect time because again, I was just in a very vulnerable place, and so he was like, "This is the one." I, ding ding, jackpot! And so, and I think for me,
1: not long after you initially initially told me, I remember saying to you, "I don't want to have to tell your parents." Mm. Like, if something happens to you, yeah, I don't want to have to be the person to be, like, I knew and I didn't do anything. Yeah. Because me and your parents aren't, like, close as you all are, but, like, they've been there for me in so many situations, and I've spent so much time with them. Like, I love them like family, and to have to look them in the eye and tell them that I knew, like, that tore me up, and... I don't know I was so happy when the last straw came yeah because when that last straw came I was just like oh she ain't putting up with this shit (laughs)
0: like she's out yeah which I was always trying to find my my way out um but especially when the the actual like physical started coming. So like the first time that it ever happened was. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So my ex had called me on the phone. And prior to that, I didn't have his phone number saved in my phone anymore. And my cousin was supposed to be coming up from Mississippi to visit. And she was in the process of getting a new phone or something of that fashion and so this number popped up and i thought it was my cousin calling me so i was with um my ex-partner at the time and i answered the phone and it was not my cousin it was my prior ex that was talking to me on the phone so i guess by my expression he knew that it was him and that is like when the insecurity Hit. So I would say maybe, I, again, we met in August, so maybe this was like November. And so then he was like, okay, she goes home or she goes to Mississippi for Christmas, Thanksgiving. They come up there. This man is going to show up here. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel as though Claire has the willpower to not talk to this man. And, and so that's when his like he tightened his grip. And so he was trying to put that fear in mm-hmm. me to not converse and uh, with my ex at the time and so then he um the like the snatching up turned into like uh, he his favorite thing would be the belt he would like to to whip me like I was a child, but I have very sensitive skin, so it just when that happened, like, I would have these big old, like, welts all over my body, and then I wasn't allowed to, to cry, so I had, I would, like, lock myself in the bathroom with his cat, and his cat would be in there crying, I'd be in there crying, and, and he, I would have to, like, fix myself because he's be like I don't want to see you like this so you need to to get yourself together and then come back out and be a presentable person and act like nothing happened and and let's go get food or something so I had to to endure this and the fact that I had to do this with him and then go home and see my parents and then pretend there that nothing else happened I was so there was nowhere
1: you could actually process through what was happening to you
0: yes and I didn't know where to turn because when I finally told Ayana, like, I, I already felt like I didn't want to tell anybody because I didn't want them to be burdened like Ayana felt burdened. Because nobody wants to know that somebody that they love and care for is experiencing something like this and they can't do anything about it. And, um, but I needed, I didn't know what to do. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just didn't know what to do with it. So I just held on to it for a really long time. And uh,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're here now though. Yeah you know and I'm glad that we were able to have the reconciliation we needed to have so that we could continue to support each other yes because I mean I don't know I just there was a point where I felt like we were never going to talk again and, mm-hmm. and then we were and then I found out this was happening and I'm like whoa like I already didn't like you <laughs> like and so it was just one of those things where I mean I'm glad I, I mean I haven't seen that person and I mean since since they came to my house and talk to me crazy yeah I ain't set eyes on them so I mean it's just I'm I'm glad you're the person that you are I'm glad you have the strength that you have because I appreciate you so much. And looking at how this affected you and how it changed you in the beginning for the worst, in the end for the better. Yeah. Because there was a time when, and I think this is important to bring up because this is a, a, it's common and statistically it's, I mean it's more common than we think Mm -hmm. but you know women who have experienced this sort of violence have do have heightened depression and suicidal ideation rates and for good reason yeah you know they're trapped in their own life yeah and so i just think it's so important to note like these things that like they affect you mentally yeah. and it's like even after the physical things heal and no one can see what they've done to you physically yeah it takes that it takes so much longer to heal those mental wounds
0: yes and I think for me I'm just a naturally a giving person and I think I said this in the last episode but when I really mess with somebody I mess with somebody and even I was like, I'm in a relationship with this person and I feel like I can't get out. So I'm just I'm just going to be about you because what other option do I have? And so he was going through so much at the time and um, his mother was sick and all of these other things. And I was trying to be there for him and I was there for him, but I wasn't there for myself. So I was just so depleted. And several times I thought about ending my life and like I would think about driving to work in the morning and I'm like if I just got into a real bad accident right now I wouldn't have to go to work because I don't even want to fake the funk there either because you then also I was like then I don't I don't want to endure with the pain so I was like what if I just take a whole bunch of like pills or something like I was just thinking of all these different ways and then and what's I think sad for me is that I didn't think about me not being here like that was not my concern. Like I, I'm not. I wasn't afraid of dying. For me, I think I was more so afraid of the effects that it would have on the the people that care about me most. And I was like, I don't know how my parents react. I don't know how my sister would react. I don't know how my friends would react. And because I care about you all so much, that's really what stopped me from doing any of those things because. I, I love you all, and I didn't want that to to halt your life, like how I felt my life was being halted at that time.
1: Like I I didn't even know that. Like I knew you had, you know, we've both been very open about having, you know, depressive episodes, but
0: wow!
1: Well.
0: Like literally, one time I was driving home from his apartment back to my house, and I like pulled over. Um, I pulled over on the the highway and was literally about to just walk into traffic and you don't know this I never told anybody but you called me and I was like let me answer this phone because I was look I was about to be out of here bro
1: and it's like that makes me so emotional because like and it's because I I know what that feels like yeah you know like to be in such a dark place and you can't see any way out like Uh, and I hate that you I mean I'm so glad I called you I don't even know I'm sure it was for nothing um (laughs) because we often call each other for absolutely no reason but uh, I'm just I don't know the lows in life really I don't know I feel like those are the things that make you value your relationships and your support system that much more you know like Despite all of the things that we have been through, I can say that like we have been consistent Mm -hmm. with each other and how we show up for each other. Even when we weren't on the best of terms, had we called each other up, there's no no time in life since I've met you that you could call me up and I would not
0: answer. I needed a friend and Ayana Mm -hmm. was there for me when I felt like I had nobody else. To turn to at that point um i'm very thankful like she said to even be on the other side of that and i think i haven't been to therapy i think after this to once i actually like admitted it to myself and i should probably go back and unpack some different things but i think i'm just was i'm also still kind of embarrassed and upset at myself about is that that literally started like three months into our two-year relationship and the last straw had to be some baby mama that i randomly found like that the 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 violence wasn't enough for me and that that still upsets me but i mean i just wasn't in this in the space to I just wasn't in the space. I, I, like, I was already in a dark spot anyway, so that just prevailed me even more. So I just didn't even have the strength to take care of my own self, to really care about my own life. But yeah, so it... it I think for me,
1: moving forward, um, like ha- after having seen you go through that, it's definitely it's definitely changed the way I looked at you as a person Mm -hmm. because we always would joke and be like, oh, Claire's the baby. Oh, Claire's the soft one. Oh, Claire always gets what she wants. Claire's a princess. And so like we would always have just these running jokes where we go back and forth with each other just because that's how we are. Mm -hmm. But- I think after, and I think after you say stuff like that for so long, you just kind of start to believe that about a person Mm -hmm. and you forget all the things that they've been through. Mm -hmm. And I think seeing you go through that and seeing you do the work to learn, to learn to be single, you know, to Mm -hmm. learn to be on your own after going through something like that so that you can get into a place where you can love again. Like, I think that that is so beautiful to witness because like the strength that i saw in you that i see in you it definitely has changed the way i think about you as a person and i already thought the world of you so i just want to say that um before we transition into um the conversation we're going to have about my past yeah so where do we start? Um, I think it's important to note in this that this wasn't something that just happened. Sexual assault is not something that just happens and then you get over it. It's not something that just happens. You report it and then magical unicorns come down and justice is served and life is,
0: goes on
1: yeah this the conclusion to this story came three years later when i was in grad school in a new relationship with someone who didn't even know this happened to me and i ended up having to tell them that this happened to me because i was tore up um the day that i had to go back into the police station
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um it was it was already a very rough semester because it was my first semester of graduate school but we'll get to that Mm -hmm. um so the story itself so what had happened was it was summer 2014 and i had taken a position as a summer RN. i was working desk at night and on the weekends and I was working at Buffalo Wild Wings on the days that I wasn't on duty um, to be an RA. Um, I had a really good friend who had been an RA the previous year with me and um, was also working at Buffalo Wild Wings but was living off campus and would sometimes you know give me rides um, if she could. Um, I think this is important because I think I need you all to understand like the space that I was in mm-hmm. when this happened. Right. And so by this time, my mother was no longer working because she was basically her full time job was taking care of my father, who was actively dying from cancer, um, which meant that it was my responsibility to make sure that my sister and I. My sister, who was also in college at the time, it was my job to make sure that we both had what we needed, Um, but she was home for the summer. And so I was working three jobs so that I could send money home and be helpful. Um, And then I was taking two online classes. And so it was just, I was under a lot of stress, right? And I was in this space where I was, I I just, I wasn't having the summer that I had before because the summer before was when I met my best friends. The summer before was the summer of my life. And I'm like, okay, they're all doing orientation again, but I'm here in the building too because I'm an RA and it's going to be the same as it was last summer and everything's going to be great. What happened was I had downloaded Tinder because, and literally out of boredom um, and it's something that i still work on to this day when i'm bored i tend to just find something to do or find someone to talk to doesn't really matter who i just i don't like being alone and i'm a peopleer, and i like i like talking to people and so i look for someone to talk to and so that's what happened i genuinely got on tinder at that time i was really young and stupid and i did not realize that tinder tinder was primarily used for hookups Mm -hmm. um i genuinely thought it was like a it was as advertised a dating app to me i don't know how other people define dating but dating does not include sex that's not a forgiven conclusion for me say that again that's you? not that's not a judgment on anyone who that is a forgiven conclusion for we've all had our phases in life do you but for me at that time i was not in any way that was not what was on my mind. Mm -hmm. So when I met this person and I was getting to know them and they were another college student, they went to a neighboring university, you know, they had had some um, travel experience. They seemed to really be a good person. Um, And for me, that's important. Being a good person is very, very important to me. And so just through our conversations, we had fun we I love to laugh. So being able to laugh with someone is super important to me. And so I mean they won me over. They charmed me Um, If you see any parallels between this story and Claire's let me know. Um, They won me over. They charmed me. They made me think that like I was just the most beautiful, most important person that they ever met, and they just wanted to know me better, and they want to spend time with me. Sure, you live 15 minutes away. Come over. I live in a secure building. You have to use your license to get in, like, you have to use your license to to check into the building, and I do, although I was an RA, I did still follow the rules. I didn't just circumvent the desk, I, and I thank God to this day that I I'm a person who follows the rules to a sick point. Um, Because if we hadn't, we would never even have caught this person who did this thing to me. Um, And so, you know, we checked into the desk, I took them up to my room, we were supposed to, and in hindsight, being the 20, almost 27 year old that I am now, I did not know what Netflix and chill was. Mm -hmm when someone says they want to come over and watch a movie, I mean, I genuinely thought we were going to watch a movie. So we started watching this movie and the next thing I know, he's like rubbing my hair. I'm like, okay, whatever. That's weird. I'm really weird about people touching me, whatever. I let him like rub my hair because he was obsessed with it. I just cut it. And so it was really curly. Um, and, all of these things. And so we were chatting about hair products and watching the movie. And then he starts touching me and it goes further and it just keeps going further. And at first I let it, but then it came to a point when he started trying to take off my clothes, I was like, no, we're not doing this. He didn't like that I said no. He didn't listen to my no he kept going Mm. and even when i was crying even when i said i don't want to do this my no wasn't respected and instead he proceeded to have sex with me to rape me and he was done he went he grabbed my shower gel off the off the counter he grabbed one of my shirts and he went to the bathroom and took a shower and came back. When he came back, he was like, Are we going to finish the movie? I didn't say anything. Like, he literally acted like it didn't happen. He acted like I was a willing participant, like I wanted just the things he was saying, like, didn't align with what I had just experienced. Mm-hmm. So we finished the movie, because at that point, I was scared to say no, right, I had already said no, I had said no multiple times, and the no was not listened to. And so I let him finish the movie. He got dressed, he started to get dressed. And then he raped me again. He got dressed. I walked him downstairs. He left. I came back up to my room. I started to cry. And the first thing I did was call Claire. And I just remember being so pissed because she didn't answer the phone. And I knew she had gone home from her four family event, like they were having a family reunion. Um, and it was one of the it was one of the only times that I did not go home with her because I had to work. It's not like I wasn't invited, I just I couldn't go because I was working because I was always working, because I had people to take care of. Yeah. Um, And so because of that, it led me to, it led me to being upset with Claire for not answering the phone. It led me to be upset with my parents for me having to find what, for having to work to take care of the bills and being so lonely and so desperate for attention that I got on this app and I found some, some stranger to come spend time with me who ultimately ended up being my rapist. I was mad at a lot of people for a long time for things that were not their fault, including myself, Yeah, including myself. And so after I called Claire, Claire didn't answer. I called my friend, Caitlin. Caitlin didn't answer because Caitlin was at work. And so she called me after work and I told her what happened. Um, and I knew, I knew her past, I knew her history, and I knew, I knew what she was going to tell me to do, but I needed someone to tell me to do it because I didn't want to do it. She told me to call the police, she told me to report it, and then proceeded to be the worst night. <laughs> Everything that happened after the rape was more traumatizing than the actual rape. I proceeded to be questioned by campus police they went through my phone, they read all of our messages, they questioned me about every smiley face, about every okay, about everything. And then they, the residence hall director who was on call, who I happened to know, who I worked with, came into the room and that broke me down all over again because I work with these people. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, she has to report this. So now every residence hall director that I work with God, I know. is going to know that this happened to me, including my mentor who was my boss a year before. And I mean, it just got, I mean, I was in a really dark place after that because I went to that hospital and they did the rape kit they gave me plan B. They gave me a really high dose of antibiotics because he, re- he didn't wear a condom because he didn't care to. Um, and so they tested me for, you know, I mean, they gave me all types of blood tests. They did the rape kit. It was painful and traumatizing because I had tearing and bruising. I mean, it was... Probably one of the single most painful nights in my life. Police came in, questioned me again. Doctor came in, and I felt like I was being questioned by the police again. Um, I think I finally got home around maybe 6 a.m. the next day, and I had gone to the hospital at like 10 p.m. The police took all of my blankets, all of my sheets, so I had no bedding. One of the um, upper administration folks who knew about the incident, who remains one of my favorite people to this day, um, gave me a blanket that I'm currently laying on um, that I have not gotten rid of. And she was there for me. And she talked to me. And she let me out of my RA contract so that I could work another position that was a little less time-intensive which resulted in me having to move all of my things within like a couple of days of that happening. And I wanna say, I was, oh, I kept operating as if everything was okay. Like I, I literally did a project, I turned in a project for my communication c- class like three days later. Um, I still ended up with an A in both of the, the summer classes that I took because I never, after that happened, after I told, started telling people I think I might have told like two or three people there were not very many people who knew mm-hmm. but the people who did know I felt like didn't know what to say and so mm-hmm. I didn't want to burden them yeah. <laughs> again if you see any parallels I didn't want to burden them because I knew that people didn't know what to say yeah. I didn't know what to say I didn't know how to feel um and so I stopped talking about it and I pretended it didn't happen and then a month and a half later I got a call from my dad um I didn't know there was gonna be the last time I talked to him, but it was. He passed a few hours after we had that conversation. Um, Following that, I started my position as an RA again for the fall semester. And it was about, I wanna say September, I got a letter in the mail from the hospital letting me know that the camera, that they had taken pictures of my naked, bruised, assaulted body had been stolen from the hospital and that they did not know who took it and where the photos were. So to this day, I do not know where those photos are. I do not know who has them. They could be anywhere. Over the next, you know, 90 days or so after I experienced the assault, I met with the title nine office i met with detectives on multiple occasions and that was the end of it for a while and then i started having nightmares mm. and then one day i was walking to class and i smelled a smell that reminded me of how he smelt and i threw up and i cried for the rest of the day and i think to this day it is not something that i fully dealt with because I still carry a lot of guilt. I don't know how to, I don't know how to tell this story without crying. Because every time you tell the story, you remember the sights and you remember the smells and it takes you back to that place. So I will say that the semester after this happened was the, it was junior year. And if you all remember from the last episode, junior year was a raging dumpster fire. Yeah. Because this is how junior year started. And I quickly, became I mean, I was drinking. I was smoking. I'd never really smoked before like that. Um, I was doing anything to not feel what I was feeling, to not deal with what I was dealing with. I didn't want to feel. Yeah. And when I finally talked to my mother about it and told her what happened, I just, I mean we were in shambles together and she felt guilty and that broke me down even more because I didn't want her to feel like it was her fault because if anybody knew the pain of blaming yourself I mean it was me because I was living that every single day yeah but
0: then so I don't know I think over time I just I stopped thinking about it you want to move forward because you're like I don't want to live here anymore so I want to to proceed with my life but like you said like different different things remind you of it and not to impose on your story but something no you're good like that happened to me I I guess last week I think it was is that um in in my experience like he used to to throw stuff at me he was a um a drunk as well, on top of all the other things that he had going on in his life. He drank literally every single day. He'd been to anger management classes a few times. So um, drinking was a big trigger for him. And so he used to throw things and different sorts of things um, when he would get upset. And so last week, my parents and I were watching television and my dad threw the remote to me. And I hadn't, I didn't notice that he had Thrown the remote and um so like i just could see something like about to to land on the the seat next to me on the couch that i was sitting on but i i just flashed back literally started crying and my dad was just perplexed he was like i i just threw the remote i don't know what's going on my dad's going to hear this on this podcast so that's what happened dad that's what i felt in that moment um but yeah so it's just like you want to move forward but you just don't know what's gonna to snatch you back and into that reality like this really happened to me and you kind of get those same feelings that you fought so hard not to feel anymore and they come back like they you've never done the work to to move past them it's like they never left it's like you never spent money on
1: therapy Oof. and it, it i don't there's no rhyme or reason it could be any little thing yeah um but i think it's very important to note As we gave, you know, a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode, it's very important to know what your triggers are. And for me, the way things feel and the way things smell really stick with me. There's been times when, you know, I have been with other partners and I've I've burst into tears and had to explain. And I know that people don't mean to, but they go into this line of inquiry. Yeah. And they start questioning you. Yeah, all over again which triggers you in a whole nother way yeah because now they're questioning you like the police questioned you that night why didn't you do this or did you do this or why didn't you do this Mm -hmm. why didn't you tell me sooner there's never a good answer to any of these questions none of the answers make you seem like the good person
0: no because what comes to to mind is you don't believe either one of them because you have give or take this, how people feel about Amber Rose, but she has like the, the slut walk and all of that. Mm-hmm. How much does she advocates and she talks about these things? And people are like, I don't believe you. Okay. Cause you talk yep. about it so much that you just, if you went through so much trauma, like how freely can you talk about it? And then you and have that, the people that don't oh. say anything and they're like, well, you never said anything. So I don't believe that. So there's no, yep. that you can't please anybody. And just,
1: I'm, for the people who are listening to this podcast who are not that close to me now, we're all best friends. I am a very sexual person. Like, that's just a part of who I am. Yeah. Um, and I don't hide from that. I think that's normal. I think that's human. Yeah. But I think what bothers me the most is when people question why you like certain things or don't like certain things sexually based on your traumas. Mm-hmm. That is like the quickest way for me to cut someone off because that, I mean, once that happens, like it's just, it's hard to be vulnerable with people who are judging you. Mm-hmm. I'm not, it's no one's business what I do, who I do it with, or why, Why there? no one's business, the whys and hows of it between me and God. It's always just so much more difficult to have to put up with the questioning and people insinuating that this didn't really happen to you because you still enjoy sex i'm supposed to stop feeling feelings right okay
0: yeah i just think it's hard for it's a difficult conversation and yeah. um and so instead of people wanting to listen to understand um instead of trying to just really understand what happened to you and how that makes you the version of yourself that you are today compared to yesterday, they don't want to have it at all. So they say these blanketing, these hurtful statements to just move on. Cause like, I don't want to, I, I don't want to talk about this. I've never been in a space that this was something that we could talk about. So going to say what I feel like these, these two arguments that aren't even valid arguments that people say and go on with my life. So just to kind of, I
1: guess, to kind of wrap up what happened with this situation um for people who are probably going to want to know did i press charges yes um did we proceed with a court case no here's why in the state of kentucky um rape kits take anywhere between three to seven years to come back years mine mine took three years it took them three years to confirm that the dna that they found on my on and in my body belonged to the person that i said it belonged to three years over three years actually so in october of 2018 i got a call from the same detective who i had interacted with on multiple occasions since then because i remained a student leader Um, At that point, I was now back working in housing as a graduate assistant, and we had consulted one another on other assault cases that had happened on campus with me being the person helping students in that situation. So when she called me to her office, we had a conversation. She told me what the, you know, told me the results of the kit. It took me back. It took me back to that place. Um, It took us back to that place. Um, because she was there with me from beginning to end, Um, and I really appreciate the role that she played, um, and that she continues to play on that campus, helping young women who find themselves in similar situations, because having her know the story already, and then get the results back, and understand, and have been there, and to saw me when it was all still raw, and then to see me on the other side of it it was it was very emotional for the both of us um but that led what ended up happening is that led to about two and a half months of depression where I gained 50 pounds between October and December because I that was also around the same time that Claire and I stopped talking Mm. and I don't think that I had I had told her that the kid had came back and that I had had the conversation with the detective. Like at that time, we were both going through so many
0: things that we were not talking to each other about. Yeah. And similar things. Your incident happened years before. Like the effects were still happening. And I was going through something. and It was affecting me now that's going still to this day affects me now. And to see you come out on the other side and for you to have the bravery to even discuss the, the story in this detail and and that it could happen to anybody and and, that, to
1: have, and that's the sad truth
0: yeah that have the most purest intention and we thank you for sharing and I think this is the first time that I've ever even heard the, the story in its entirety really I couldn't talk about it then yeah. I was so sick of telling the story yeah
1: I was so sick of telling the story to people who I knew didn't believe me you, you know they don't believe you yeah. Because you see their face and you see the looks they're giving each other. You see them taking notes. They're asking you all these questions like you're the person who committed the, the criminal act. And so, yeah, I mean, I just didn't want to tell it to another person who I thought wouldn't believe me.
0: Yeah, and I would have believed you. But you know what thought that just came into my mind is that especially like we said in the last episodes that we went to a predominantly white institution. And so over history that black women have been so overly sexualized right so for you to have to explain this experience to i'm sure white men every one of them i'm sorry my cat is crying i'm quite sure you can hear that but uh to white men to someone is like well she probably she probably wanted this and you know what's what's even crazier the part that
1: i didn't I guess the one part I didn't tell,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: since we told it all here tonight, was they were all so unimaginably just shook when I told them I had only ever been with one other person and that I had said no and that I had no intentions of having sex with him when I invited him over. They question they asked me the same question multiple times the doctor the cops like they none of them believed that i had been with one other person and that i didn't want this to happen mm-hmm. and i think that's what and i and again that contributed to me feeling like i did something wrong yeah you know mm-hmm. and that and it, it continues and it, it goes with me to this day now i can admit you know and i can look at it being the type, being in the position i am now and um and working on the side of things that I do now where I'm, I'm working with survivors of sexual assault. Um, often, you know, people at the same age I was when it happened to me, um, I can look at it and, and I, can, I can hear myself saying all the things that people said to me then and knowing that they don't believe me. They don't believe me when I tell them that it's not their fault because I didn't believe them when they told me it wasn't my fault because they didn't believe it when they told me because I could see the judgment in their eyes, you know, and so had the experience so that I can now be in a position to empathize with other young women,
0: yeah,
1: who go through that, and, and be the person who genuinely has no judgment, who genuinely believes that they had no fault, and who genuinely will follow up with them, and make sure they're okay, and make sure they have resources, and make sure that that they can move forward in the healthiest way possible in the ways that I did it. So I can, I can look back now and, and I still cry when I tell the story, but it's because I still feel feelings. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm still a person. And that's, I'm still a person and that's to be valued. I hate that that, that that, that happened to me, but I'm okay.
0: I'm okay too. And I, I, I forgot to to share in my story is that I think when once I finally told my parents cuz that took a took a while for me to kind of muster up the courage to tell them is that I'm working toward being okay, but I've worked a longer time at being okay than they have. And I I feel bad that she feels responsible. I think my parents had to have known what was going on. And I think his parents had to know what's going on because his grandmother, his grandmother, we were there um, at his mom's house one time and she had pulled me aside and she specifically asked me if he had ever put his hands on me. And I lied to that lady and she knew I was lying. The fact that like they knew too and I don't know if they knew what to do for me, but I think, I, I kind of felt like, you know what's going on and you know that I'm not telling you the truth. And I, I kind of expected them to do something and nothing happened. And I think they were the first people to know but not know without me telling them what was going on. And um, at the end of it, I would say a couple months before we officially, I officially was like, this is my out and I'm taking it. Um, my mom was more so talking about his drinking and she was like, we're moving and if you want to stay here cuz i was like i'm going to stay and we're going to get an apartment and she's like if you're going to stay here with this man i can't talk to you for my mom to be like i can't have a relationship with you because i can't watch watch you be in this relationship and know that this man is going to kill you and oh my god so to see like my mom cry and then to make my dad cry that was also kind of my tipping point is that where i was like i can't stay in this relationship anymore and then I, I got a job. You love
1: them too much. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I got a job to leave the that city that I was living in. I took that job, and then I found out about this seven month old baby that he had. And I'm gonna take this, this out, and I'm I'm gonna go with it. And because I've I've had have tried to leave numerous times over the course of the relationship, but he would threaten to to kill himself. He threatened to kill me he all of these things so I, I didn't leave out of fear he, he was like I know where you live like he would show up to my job so it was like he would just be places that's my cat now <laughs> like he would just be places and so my mom was like she knew what was going on but I've never lied to my parents because I've, I've never had to like I we just have a very open communication and so she just took what I was telling her at face value because she had no reason to think that I would lie. And so she said those things and I think she knew what was happening, but she was like, I'm just going to say what I have to say and hopefully, you know, Claire receives it in a way that she needs to receive it. But that really broke my heart to know that mm-hmm. like people that I care so much mo- so much about was like, I can't watch this happen to you. I just can't. And so I have to remove myself. And so I, I've often kind of still have to deal with like the burden that 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 is on my parents but you move forward and you you heal together now that now that it's out and i was able to express that we're still healing and ayana and i are still healing and in our friendship of something unfortunate that happens to us but that still bonds us together in a different way and um, we heal and and when those triggering episodes kind of happen, we're able to, to kind of lean on each other. And if there's anybody that is experiencing something of domestic violence or rape or assault, or you know somebody that is going through something like that, there's always the hotlines that you can call and um, to kind of report that or to um, just kind of get assistance on what you should do. And they have numerous different resources. Those are wonderful people um, that are on the other end of that phone to help you through that time Uh, both of these hotlines are available 24 hours so i will start with the national domestic violence hotline Uh, that phone number is 1-800-799-SAFE and that uh, safe is 1-800-799-7233 you can call that phone number uh, if you want to report any domestic violence that is happening to you or somebody that you do know that is experiencing that. And then the National Sexual Sexual Assault Hotline phone number is 1-800-656-4673. If you want to call to report that as well, we'll have that in the show notes if you need that information for yourself or anyone that you know that is experiencing that.
1: Thank you for sharing that. I'm glad that we, I'm glad that we did this yeah I'm glad that we had this conversation me too I hope that you all feel safe and you feel vulnerable enough with someone in your life to share this way because having this platform having this podcast has been the single most vulnerable thing I've ever done I agree Outside of my writing, you know, and it's been so long since I've picked up a journal and written, but this podcast, this podcast feels like a journal right now. And that's okay.
0: Yeah. I think for both of us, we're, we would classify ourselves as the strong friend And you see all these memes everywhere and and to to check on your strong friend, check on the the friend that's always joking all the time. A good example is Robin Williams. That man was the funniest man ever and was dealing with some demons that he didn't deserve and nobody knew Mm. he was experiencing.
1: Because I just, I constantly find myself like apologizing for my own emotions,
0: Mm.
1: whether that's out loud or in the ways that I behave. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm
0: I'm doing all these things to make up for what I, I think people perceive as shortcoming so we hope this reached people that needed to hear it Uh, Mm -hmm. again for anybody that's experiencing this or if you know somebody that's experiencing this and just how to be able to be there for them um, during that time and just know that there isn't a right thing to say a right thing to do really it's just kind of to just be there your presence is usually just enough support systems are
1: I mean without it I don't know where I would be I mean, I honestly don't. Yeah, and 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 I and I do I do want to say like I had so many other friends at that during that time. Like our other close friend um, that we we talked about prior um, that we met during our orientation summer. You know, she's also been an amazing support to me throughout the years. I yes. spent just as much time with her family as I did Claire's. Yes. Um, and so I just I mean. We both have such good people in our lives and yeah. when, they tr- when they try and isolate you from those good people, mm-hmm. that's the first red flag. Um, and I just want to make sure that I say that because that isolation, that, the, because the, the core of me getting on, on that site and reaching out to that person was feeling isolated, feeling isolated from my family, feeling isolated from my friends. And it led me to make a decision that ultimately that ultimately led to years of trauma, um, yeah. all because I felt isolated. And in yeah. these COVID times, I'm sure there are a lot of people, yeah, um, you know, feeling that isolation or mm-hmm. or feeling or feeling stuck in their situation because you know it is a pandemic and so much is going on in the world. I just want to thank you all for coming on, you know, this very emotional journey with us. Yeah um if you can't if you don't make it to this point in the episode we're able to finish it that's cool too um because I didn't think I was going to make it to this point in the episode (laughs) there was definitely some boohooing happening behind the scenes um and it was needed and it's cleansing and it is it washes away the hurt and I feel renewed and I still feel as if I am walking in my purpose by having this conversation. And so I think that's what I want to leave you all with is walking your purpose. And no matter what obstacles come between you and that purpose, you will get there. I never thought I would, I would be where I am now where I am now is is a dream to my younger self. And I am so happy and so blessed. Um, so don't feel sad for us, please. Um, that's the last thing either of us wants. Um, what we really wanted from this episode was to highlight the blatant abuse Black women experience, whether that be from their partners or from strangers. And you've got an example of both um, mm-hmm. in this episode. In the interest of uplifting a Black woman after having heard everything we've heard, We've decided we want to start highlighting um, Black businesses during our episode. And one of those businesses is actually a business that I love. And I was actually featured on their Instagram because I tried lashes, y'all. And I don't know if you girls or or boys out there have 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 tried lashes. But lash adhesive glue is not easy (laughs) to deal with. (laughs) Those people on TikTok and on YouTube... Who be putting a little line of lash adhesive glue and just swinging it back and forth in the air for a second and just <laughs> gently laying it on? That is a dream for a shaky handed person like myself. <laughs> so I found this company through a, a co worker of mine called Mocahontas Cosmetics. That is M O C H A H O N T A S Cosmetics. And they are located in Terre Haute, Indiana. They sell an adhesive liner that you can use, like eyeliner, to put on your eyelashes. And when I tell you I have worn lashes every day since I got this pen in the mail, I'm not playing with you. My cousin came to visit to celebrate her birthday and her promotion at work. Shout out to my cousin bossing up on everyone. Y'all, she wears much thicker lashes than I do because, you know, she's just that bitch. But she did one little swipe. She had our... La- we had those lashes on for hours. She wears thick lashes. One of her really good friends sells lashes. Maybe we'll highlight her next. Hmm. Um, and I mean, thick, luscious lashes. One swipe, lashes stayed on all night. So go on over to mocahontascosmetics.com. Let them know I sent you. Mm. Highlight them on your social medias if you feel they need to do so. I certainly have. Mm-hmm. They are a fantastic company. The packaging is just so cute. I absolutely love the bedazzled ad- 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 adhesive liner pen. It is just, I mean, it's everything. I can't say enough about it. They are an amazing company. They're doing amazing things. And it's Black female owned company. And we stand a Black queen doing her own thing. So please run on over there, check them out. Um, and that is all we have for you all today.
0: Yeah. So as always, if you have anything to share with us, if something in this episode resonated with you and you feel like you want to share, definitely feel free to reach out on our social media accounts. We have an Absolutely. Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. You can find that in the show notes as well. You can always send us an email at the other day at or leave us a voicemail using the link in our show notes as well. Oh another common question that I received. They asked if that was me, Claire J singing on the intro and honey, that is me.
1: Honey right. it is. It Baby is. got voice.
0: Okay. I'm multi-talented over here. So is, if anybody wants to sign me uh Diddy, <laughs> uh, please I, I'm taking I'm taking um offers. But that is me singing on the intro. All right, y'all. But again, we thank you all for listening. And as always, you are somebody because the higher power don't make no mess. So walk in your glory. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.